Oh, you're just not not introing this week. That's how we're first to. Uh... No, I'm just enjoying our song, man. I'm just enjoying our song. And welcome to another year of Miles Offside Podcast, where oh, we talk God, a little bit of football year. and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mister 2021 Chuck Bailey and Super Producer Ian Stimson. Uh, believe I am still FPL champion though, right? We're, I'm happy to be Mr. 2021. I am all about 2021. 2021 is about getting shit done. Like, with, there is so much more freedom and so much more opportunity for all of us, baby. <laughs> what a delightfully optimistic note you're I don't, you're I don't know that there. freedom is necessarily the right word to choose. What? There's been no, there's been no recent announcements about anything. So... <laughs> We should explain, we are recording this directly after Boris has addressed the nation. I think we've lost the magic of lockdown eve. It's a, it's a lovely time of year. It just seems to come around come around more more often. It only seems like a few months Put, since the last Putting the decorations one. up and taking them down again is so exhausting. <laughs> Fucking hell. In the loft, out of the loft, putting up yeah. the lights, taking the lights down, getting electrocuted. <laughs> it's such a magical time. <laughs> are you guys... Uh... Stocking up on toilet paper, and Ian, have you ordered your uh, lifetime supply of champagne bottles for your <laughs> grocery so, needs? Yeah. I, I, also, Chuck doesn't know this because me and Oscar were on the call first, but I've I've got a bit of a problem as well, Chuck. Because drinking problem. Yeah. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we were we weren't going to say anything, but <laughs> I think because um, of the lockdown that's been just been announced in the last few minutes, uh, the Sainsbury's website's gone down. Um, which means I can't amend my order. So as it stands, I'm getting one bottle of champagne delivered tomorrow. Just one, just one bottle. It takes it above the limit that you need to to make the order. So yeah, and Oscar was saying like it's going to look like I'm celebrating lockdown. <laughs> my own very single. I think specific you should way. go outside. Ray! Give it the Formula One treatment. <laughs> um, so yeah, if I if I stop listening for a little while, it's because I'm desperately trying to reload the Sainsbury's website. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Other people stock up on like. Toilet paper, drinking water, <laughs> cans of beans. Fucking Mr. Mr. One Percent over here. Yeah, Ian's like, you know, you know what I need? Just one bottle of champagne delivered to my house. I'm not going out. You know what's worth fucking up the environment for? One bottle. One bottle, just the one. And you know what? Some guy, some guy, somewhere else, somewhere else, to open a case. Just go. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Takes him. That's twenty-seven p. That costs. It never happens. His energy. Put it in a van. <laughs> you can't. You don't. You. You just. Don't care about the environment, do you, Ian? No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, he's old, so he doesn't have to deal with the problems. Exactly. I've gone full boomer on it. (laughs) Fuck you guys. That's not my problem. Is that the banter section this week? Yeah, yeah, that's done. That's done. Um, So we are the Miles Offside podcast. One American, two Brits, trying to talk about soccer, but mostly getting distracted. How do you like that? That's a good tagline. I just came up with that on the spot. I'm going to use that from now on. I like it. I like it. Literally, you won't remember it. Never use it again. That's true. I definitely won't. Next week, someone write in. You forgot to do the the sentence. Um, But if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We are happy to have you. Welcome. Uh, and if you are back, then also thank you. We love you. Hope you had a wonderful holiday uh, and rang in the new year safely, um, preferably asleep, For in my case. <laughs> Passed out at 9.30. 9.30, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was delightful. Uh, sleep on the couch under a fleece blanket by 9.30 in actual bed by like 10.15. What a delight. 
Um, but we will kick things off as we always do with our <coughs> rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Just the one story this week, boys. Cancellation. Our top story tonight the is that 2021 has begun, and Patrick Bamford is finally underperforming his XG. What a resplendent start to the most glorious decade of our lives. Normality is restored. Nature is healing. Okay. <laughs> when, when you sent me that fanfare, I didn't realise it was 23 seconds long. I just want to bask in it. You look like that Elmo meme with the flames behind him. That's you right now. This is a joke just for Ian, because I already knew that I was going to say this, and you are you. <laughs> Ian, isn't that really funny? Doesn't he look just like that Elmo? He did. Yeah. He'll change it to the fire background oh. soon. It's currently the Mars side. Previously, it's been Christmas puddings. Good dicks. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Yep. Me too. Is there actually a new story? Is there a new story? No, no, no. I just wanted everyone to know that Patrick Bamford <laughs> is once again underperforming his XG. Uh, Ian, you can play the fanfare again if you want. Um, thank you. And you know what? It, it's just It just feels like just a little piece, a piece of us that was taken away last year has, has finally been put back. And um, yeah. It's very long, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. <laughs> I want that. Up, I want that up full whack on the edit. Thank you very much. Peeking, peeking. Oh man. So yeah, but was there was there any new stories, or are we just going to talk about the tinsel window? Ah, uh, well, we should probably talk about how fixtures keep getting cancelled, and maybe the league is on or off. Unknown. Sky says it's off. Of everyone else yeah. says it's still on. We are Classic not watching Boris. Sky. Sky News just said their reporter said that uh, it was off. And then no one else seems to be reporting it. And indeed, everyone else seems to be reporting that the Prem and Elite Sport can continue. So that's another one of uh, Sky's never wrong for long predictions, I think. Never wrong for long. I like that. But it's because quickly after they've proven to be wrong, they just delete the articles and the tweets. And... Yeah, yeah. My favourite one was when I was, I was working there and uh, we had a translator in the booth doing the Amanda Knox trial. And... Um, she managed to, she really wasn't very good and managed to fuck it up and say that she'd been found guilty. And the second she said that, Sky News strapped it and everything. And then 10 seconds later, it just changed to not guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Never mention it again. Just a typo, just a typo. The word yeah. not is important there. Just three letters, but it's pretty oh, important. Dear. I wonder if they did the same thing here. They meant to say, like, football is not called off. And then uh, maybe yeah. it's a Borat joke. Maybe it's like a really long Borat joke. And then, like, Three days from now, Sky is just going to tweet the word NOT in all caps, and everyone's going to be like, what? <laughs> but we'll know. They we never, know. Draw, never draw attention to it. Never mention it again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there. It, it looks like football's on. Yeah, it looks like the league might still be happening, but either way, there have been quite a few fixtures called off. That seems to be the big thing uh, in terms of the news. There's not much else. Also, players on the other side of that coin have been fucking idiots and getting together for Christmas parties and New Year's parties with big bum Latinas and like all sorts of Those craziness going on. big bum Latinas. Honestly, I didn't realize that I was going to have to fly all the way to England for this party, but you know. <laughs> you had a good time. <laughs> I had a good time. It was a good time. A job's a job's a job. No, uh, no shame in shaking that booty for some money. You know, it's, <laughs> they call it the moneymaker. <laughs> good Lord. Serious note though, are you guys... 
at what point, I should say, do we get concerned about the number of missing fixtures given the very, very short amount of time available after the season before the Euros? Two months ago. <laughs> that, that's where we get con- that's where we get uh, concerned. Um, yeah, we we should have been more fucking proactive than reactive. But tell that to you don't need to tell that to us because we fucking live in the UK and the USA. Um, <laughs> Uh, the players that did those things are ridiculous and it's disgusting. At least some clubs came out and gave apologies, uh, punished players seemingly with being dropped, etc. Some clubs remain nameless. Crystal Palace uh, had their club captain do it and he still played and captain aside on that day. And Roy Hodgson said, uh, our fans probably don't care about that stuff and are probably more concerned with results. Uh, I think you'll find we realise that football isn't as important as much as we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. And maybe, just maybe, the preservation of society as a whole and lives is more important than 22 blokes kicking a fucking ball <laughs> I don't know man maybe when you're a Palace fan that might be true but I'm a Chelsea <laughs> fan and I want to see them play <laughs> yeah do we want to talk about Chelsea for the last no 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding I'm kidding cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. season <laughs> didn't uh, think so Ian any uh, that was perfect Chuck so I have nothing to add but Ian do you want to you know chastise these players any little bit more no I don't want to chastise players any more than Chuck already has because it is obviously ridiculous I'm mostly upset that I'm not allowed to enjoy Mendy anymore that's the most annoying thing why Uh, because you thought he was going to ask for a big bum whitey and that would be you yes furious furious (laughs) (laughs) just another kick in the teeth for me I'll put Um, in a good word for the next party I'll give you a reference if, if you would yeah um, what you need is someone whose skin is virtually translucent. That's what you want. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, to go back to your original question, there can't be many more postponements before this gets silly. I mean, Fulham have already got two games to make up. Um, obviously, they don't have the problem of any sort of European competition or cup runs or anything, but the cup should have been cancelled anyway. The whole thing's... It feels like it might be teetering because you've also got the Euros at the end of the season to contest with. I mean, it's just... FA Cup is at the stage now as well that it's the third round. Like, I thought it was international break, but it's not. It's FA Cup and League yeah. Cup this week. So I think tomorrow, as we record, is the first semi-final, which is, I don't know, Tottenham-Brentford. Of Carabao, and then yeah. The day after, day after in the Caribou is uh, Man United City. Yeah. But then the week after, you've got the FA Cup, which is obviously the third round when all the Premier League teams come in. Yeah. And it, just because of the fixture congestion and the fact that League One's fucked, at the minute um, probably other leagues are as well I saw something today with Charlton as well uh, but who knows that could just be because they're shit and so you're now <laughs> going to start mixing the leagues as well as mixing the teams and it just seems like maybe at this point cut those kind of things down yeah. or nip them in the bud as it were now if you're worried about prize money and the money they get give all the prize money to all the teams that are in the FA Cup that aren't currently in the Premier League give, just give it to them have it split it between yourselves we'll worry about it next year don't worry about, I mean, Europa and Champions League, whatever your thoughts might be about being in the team. But fundamentally, it just doesn't make sense. And yeah, then yeah, Euros yeah. at the end, like no one wants Britain visiting their country anyway. So we should just, <laughs> just take it now. Yeah. That way you don't have to get embarrassed later. Yeah, I mean, your your points about the cup competitions are exactly right. Because like, especially Tottenham and City, who are in the League Cup semifinals this week, right? You guys just said that. If they make it through, then they literally do not have room in their schedule for making up at least one fixture. They have to get knocked out of Europe or the FA Cup to, like, if they keep progressing, basically, is what I'm saying. And this will be true for other teams as well as it gets further into the European 
and the FA Cup rounds, like if these teams that are in a bunch of competitions keep progressing, literally there's not enough room unless they can get the clubs to agree to play during an international break, which is like a huge no-no, and UEFA would be pretty annoyed about that, and or FIFA, both maybe, I'm not quite sure, someone would be pretty angry about that, or you're pushing into the Euros. Yeah. Like the the fact that we are still having the League Cup and the FA Cup is insane. Chuck, I am. I said earlier in the Slack that I want the Champions League to continue. Um, that was half in jest. Obviously, that's the competition I care the most about. But you're right. Having a competition where players are traveling abroad between countries and interacting with players from other countries that have different regulations and different rules and all that sort of stuff is probably very very dumb right now. And I think you're right. I think like we are one canceled Man City fixture away. From, like, a very real question about do we let them play 37 matches or how do we decide this table? Like, what happens now? It doesn't need all 20 teams to not have room. If there's two or three teams that don't have room, like, what, like, literally, yeah, what, what the fuck do? is the Premier League yeah. going to do there? So, yeah, I think it is on a knife edge. That ended fucking bleakly. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, should we talk Jesus. about the results over the festive holiday fixture? You mean the tinsel window? Uh, excuse me? Yeah. Festive holiday, yeah. <laughs> The tinsel window. Thank you. Trademark, copyright, registered trademark. <laughs> Miles Offside Podcast 2018. Ian, tell our literal tens of listeners and mm. ones of new listeners for this week. Mm. Just just, <laughs> just what, what is the tinsel window? The tinsel window is the massively grouped together, more so this year probably, of festive fixtures that you get uh, where teams rotate, uh, crazy score lines happen. And, uh, yeah, basically uh, a good tinsel window can set you up for the second half of the season. Everyone knows Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, I mean, in terms of, you know, admin-wise, uh, we can't fucking keep up. No, it's far <laughs> yeah. too compressed for us to do podcasts, yeah. <laughs> Hence why last week, I mean, after our teams both got battered and Ian's didn't play, yeah. we just decided to do quizzes instead. So if you came back for more quizzes... Come back in about an hour and a half, and then you'll get Ian's bluffer. Because <laughs> that's a weekly fixture. Uh, but I put out a shout-out, and uh, many different fans from different teams uh, have got in touch with us. Some with very curt, direct speeches. Others, Sam Danby, with uh, 1,500 words or more uh, about how they feel their team got on <laughs> over the tinsel window, just as well to give a little bit more of a different input uh, to what we normally have, being as how we just say every other team is shit and our own team is shit, and it's all shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, that'll be fun, I think. So let's. do you want to just go through this alphabetically? Let the listeners take the lead on it? Well... Fortuitous happenstance and results have meant that resident punching bag, Mr. Adam P, was happy to get in touch uh, with his input about Arsenal, uh, sending this to us saying, thank God this summary comes now off the back of three consecutive wins against three very different kinds of rivals rather than a month ago. For the majority of the season, Arsenal have looked shit. And I mean, really quite shit, like... (laughs) We're too good to go down territory shit. But thankfully, last three, three, three results have shown that there might be a speck of light at the end of this very long tunnel. The youthful trio of Smith-Rowe, Saka and Martinelli has reinvigorated Arsenal's attack and inspired those more senior colleagues, uh, like Ian, uh, who appeared to be lacking any creativity. Unlike Ian. Thank you. Uh, combined, thank you. Combined with finding that earlier defensive solidity, uh, would I go that far? Uh, and Arsenal have had somewhat of a base to begin this salvage this season. Top four is still a long, long, long way off. Europa has to be the target. And if reinforcements come in to strengthen the attack in January, I feel more confident of us being able to get into the top eight. 
I love that he just ends it there. Like, it's all so promising. It's like Arsenal to get to the top eight. Yeah. Like, oh! Yeah, when that's your aspiration. Yeah. Blimey. I know, right? But what about stats? So, obviously, you mentioned the three consecutive wins and stuff, Oscar, but uh, who were they playing and who did they get? how did they get their points? You are uh, subtly, not so subtly, getting me to say, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. that Arsenal did beat Chelsea. Uh, that was one of the results yeah. on Boxing Day. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. But yeah, the Arsenal definitely have had a good... I mean, if you look at the underlying numbers, right, over the course of the entire season so far, they've been in, what, they're in 11th place on the table, 8th unexpected. So, you know, hey, Adam, there's your top 8 right there. You're good. You made it. Yay! (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Um, But then over the tinsel window, they were 5th. So that is a significant upgrade. And also, like, it's 5th, but pretty close to the other teams in that general vicinity for the expected points over the tinsel window. Like, for example... Chelsea got 8.79 expected points, fourth best over the tinsel window. Chelsea, Arsenal, 8.74. So it's like, you know, right there, right there. Um, Who else would be in that general vicinity? Aston Villa would be right above that on third. So like Arsenal, definitely, we do see like significant improvements over their underlying numbers in the last few fixtures. Um, I would simply, as the resident Statsy Mathy guy, Use the age-old caveat of sample size. Adam, just be careful getting overly excited about a result, a window of like, what, five matches? Because natural variance could lead to five very, very strange results over a small time frame. But then over the course of an entire season, that's when you really want to be looking at the predictive numbers. So like, positive signs for Arsenal. They done a goals, a few, which is out of character for them. <laughs> Especially recently. But I think he, he hit that with like watching them recently, uh, like Smith Rowe looks fantastic and Saka just can literally play any position anywhere on the pitch uh, and is good at it. Um, so it must be, it's, it's quite nice for Arsenal. I feel like we're going to be a bit more positive this week. I don't know. I'm oh, feeling give positive. Give it time. <laughs> give it time. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, am I still filled with hate? Just a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, there's that little bit of light coming through. Ian, you got anything that you noticed about Arsenal? I think the jury's still out. Obviously, if I was Adam P, I'd be happy. Well, not happy that I'm Adam P, obviously, but I'd be happy um, <laughs> with the tinsel window. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not entirely convinced yet. Uh, Aubameyang is completely anonymous at the minute. If he kicks on, then maybe if he kicks on and the rest of the team starts going, then I'll be scared. And yeah. naturally, they play Palace next, and uh, they've just found their form, and they're playing on my 30th birthday, and I can't go out and <laughs> oh, do anything mate. else to distract myself, and it's fucking depressing me already. So, cheers, Adam. Uh, Adam, Adam P, at, at 35 who? Give him a follow on uh, yeah, Twitter. Lovely to have you back, Adam. <laughs> yeah, lovely to hear from you. Uh, moving on, we go to Aston Villa, and someone new got in touch with us, Lewis Lee, who is at BusterLee21 on Twitter, uh, for his thoughts about Aston Villa. And he said that there was a tough run of fixtures over the Christmas period, but he thinks there's a lot of positives to take from performances. I mean, you're like fourth in the league, mate. Yeah, you're fucking sweet. Um, Martinez has been a revelation. Matty Cash down the right-hand side has been excellent. And obviously players like Grealish, El Ghazi, who have hit a recent good of form. Any negatives? Watkins. Yeah, he's a buff. Fucking FPL team, he does bugger all. He, he might uh, be, it might be a negative, as in mate, he's, he's not. He's Firmino. He's like this new wave of strikers. Yeah, okay, want to score goals? Okay, he's Firmino. No okay, him. so he's he might not be. He gets pick of the week. Getting on the yeah, I'll pick him in FPL exactly. <laughs> he might not be getting on the end of everything, but he's been 
really unselfish a lot of times. Um, I think he's been pretty integral to how they set up in their attack and he's been assisting, hat-trick of assists the other day in the tinsel window. Um, yeah, yeah, I think true. I think what I, I wouldn't be worried about Watkins. I mean, I would if I had him in FPL, and I do. Um, mm. But, you know, I, as, a, as a fan, I'd be quite happy with Watkins. I think yeah. I think he's... How much are they buying for? 28 million. I think that looks like money well spent to me. And then kind of the last section sentence he's got here, uh, and I forgot about this as well, and Barkley coming back to fitness. Yeah. I have aspirations that we can drive towards European places. Uh, I mean, anything could happen this year, um, unless you're Sheffield United. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. so, you know, spo- mm, the least spoilery spoiler in history. Um, and yeah, I think, I think Villa could be, the, you know, any Villa fan can't be unhappy right now. They're in, yeah. in seventh overall and you know twenty six points. Imagine being a Villa fan this year. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know the history of stuff, but they don't seem to me like a club that is regularly flying this high. Like, maybe at some point in their history, they have. Do they have titles? I'm guessing they have a couple of titles and stuff. Yeah, I mean, back in back in the sort of seventies and eighties, but uh, yeah, it's not been a mm. good long while. And they are like very legit this year. Uh, the, the reason they are is Jack Grealish, right? Like, I, I saw this at Chelsea. Some very mediocre Chelsea teams were elevated to very, very good positions in the table by Eden Hazard just being absolutely insane. And Jack Grealish is doing, and I'm, this is not an, an original thought on any level whatsoever. Just go on analytics Twitter and you'll see a thousand people saying the same thing. But he's playing Hazard-level numbers this season. Like, not even exaggerating. Genuinely hazard level numbers. And what I mean by that is that he's not only scoring and assisting, but he's also creating by transitioning the ball from the middle third to the attacking third. So he drops back. He gets the ball. He's... He... I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know for a fact that he is number one for Aston Villa from getting the ball from the middle third to the final third and, like, top five in the league. He's number one in the league for dribbling the ball into the penalty area. He's number like three in the league for passing the ball into the penalty area. And he's also top five for receiving the ball in the penalty area. Like he's just all of the things getting Aston Villa to where they're at. And it's, and they're legit. Like I would say have, don't just have aspirations of top four, have expectations at this point of top four because they have been better than Chelsea on the underlying numbers, pretty much. I mean, not entirely, but like yeah. certainly over the tinsel window and the season I mean, at they, large. They underperformed in the tinsel window and were, and were you know, seventh over that with eight points. Um, expected points was third, uh, second for expected goals in that period. And uh, I think it's the seventh best defense. Yeah, their defense is their weak point because Jack Grealish can't defend, right? But like... Yeah, I, I mean, it, again, it's hard in this window because, again, with the goals scored and goals allowed numbers, you're, you're looking at quite low numbers sometimes for him. So it's much of a muchness. Uh, like, you know, they were seventh for goals allowed, but they conceded three goals in five games. Um, and they were like one on switch away from going down if they switched on the VAR that day. And it's very frustrating and annoying for a club that's been in a similar position, trying to come up and seeing one that's just invested well and run well. Uh, but speaking of annoying clubs, uh, and next on the list, and funnily enough, no fans from this team wanted to get in touch. Who's uh, this? Because no, no one supports them. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, a <laughs> uh, bunch of shit. Uh, unlucky, consistently unlucky. Oh, so unlucky in the team. It's been 17 weeks now, and they're 17th. 
What do you want? What do you want me to say, guys? What do you want me to say? Not a great deal. I mean, I think. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Next. I uh, the, the the unlucky Brighton thing can only go on for so long. I think it's it's getting a half bit... a season, half yeah. a season, and that's bit, it. Getting a bit. You're not unlucky. Now. You're just not good enough. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, I take umbrage with that sentence. Go on in. Go on in. Just because stats, but like, that's fine. I'm not going to like, we can save that conversation for one of the other teams on this list. I'm sure it'll come up again. 13 points under their expected. That's insane. That's insane. They're, only them and Sheffield are anywhere near. Who's the third most under expected, I think? Uh, what am I supposed to be? The numbers man? That's <laughs> you're the numbers man. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm checking. I'm checking. Fulham. Fulham are seven under expected. And then that, then up from there, it's a jump to thirteen to Brighton. <laughs> That's the next least. Wow. So yeah. it's a lot of points. They're like horrendously unlucky to be where they are in the table. Um, and I, but like, how did they look, Chuck? You have the data in front of you. How did they look over the tinsel window? Did they underperform there as well? Four draws and a loss. Uh, I know some of them were kind of come up from behind. There was that mental game against Wolves the other day that went to three-three with two penalties and own goals and all sorts of bloody calamities left, right, and centre. <laughs> um, you know, defensively sixteenth in terms of goals allowed, um, goals scored. They scored six goals in the five games, uh, which puts them tenth. So kind of mid-table for goals and, you know, conceded as well. So just, it's just dross. I mean, they said they'd change the keeper and Ryan was in a really bad uh, run of form. And I can't remember the name of the new Brighton keeper. Ian, you probably own him in FBL. He's in my free hit, Sanchez. Oh, of course he is. Of course he is, because you always have Brighton players. Um, so he's come in and it's, you know, they, they keep saying they're one, two key parts away from uh, a revolution at Brighton, but it just doesn't... Uh, Either Graham Potter is a genius and the players are shit, or Graham Potter doesn't know what he's doing, and so the players aren't effective, it seems to be at this point. In in the way that Villa went through a period of struggling and then got themselves through it by changing how they do things and, and the manager taking players' ideas on and stuff, if Graham Potter doesn't do something about this, then he's either going to go down this year or get sacked early on next year. So it's good. this is the test, really, isn't it? Because he's, he's seen in high regard by everyone, but I'm yet to see why. So that this is going to yeah. be the test. Anyway, that's enough about those South Coast shithouses. Um, <laughs> and we wonder why we don't have listeners <laughs> writing in listeners. <laughs> Well, we go from South Coast shithouses to uh, North Coast shithouses, question mark. And we move on to Burnley, um, fabled Burnleys of the week. Uh, this is given to us by Adam uh, at FPL Vinny, V-I-N-N-I-E on Twitter, uh, who says he's a radio journalist who covers a lot of Burnley games, so I'd say I represent them well. Uh, game week 13-16 was a clear continuation in terms of Burnley becoming the defensive unit again they're used to seeing, down to Ben Mee being back in the team. Since his return, Burnley have kept five clean sheets and only conceded seven. Uh, I believe that's in uh, nine games. Uh, attacking options, don't go there. And uh, upcoming <laughs> fixtures, while they're not great, Nick Pope has the opportunity to rack up save points. He is currently 24 points ahead of the next Burnley player in FPL. Wow. Uh, and it's looking like, because Charlie Taylor won't be fit for a while, Matt Loughton and Eric Peters at 4.4 and 4.3 million uh, budget options. You wouldn't necessarily get assists, but you know, Burnley, clean sheets, we know what they can do with it. Um, I asked him a little bit more because I think today Burnley announced the takeover 
Uh, quite a big American investment, yeah. Um, and so he had this to say, they couldn't have done much more uh, recently given how limited resources and fans are acutely aware teams performing far beyond the sum of their parts. Yeah, we all know that. Um, and the expectation is to stay up. Concerned and excited in equal measure with the take- takeover and the club needs investment for a long time and that's encouraging. Relegation would definitely come without it. And uh, they want Dyche to be the man to be there and uh, spend it especially as they remember what happened to local rivals Blackburn about a decade ago. You Oof, know, it's very easy, yeah. as we've said before, dropping through that trapdoor. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it has been a bit, looking at Burnley, um, uh, they've kind of gone, you know, they, they're they never the most exciting team, are they? Let's no. face it. No, but that's interesting news about the takeover. I didn't know that. And like you say, that can be mm. a real... That could be a real coin toss. Yeah, it could be um, interesting. I mean, yeah. Palace had it a little while ago, and it, you know, we never spent it in the window, but we have built academy, so maybe that's kind of what they're going going to go for with Burnley. But obviously, this is fresh news. Uh, yeah. Tinsel window wise, seven points in four games. It's fine. Seven points is plenty, especially this year. That's nearly two points a game. Like two points a game is what seventy six points a season. Burnley are going to Europe again. <laughs> that's maths, isn't it? Probably. Done. Can't contest that. <laughs> so, Oscar. Yeah. Oscar. The alphabet. Um, I'm not good at letters. What's next? C is for Chelsea. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you did. Someone wrote in, right? So we should probably let them have their piece first. You literally don't want to talk, do you? Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, I literally do. I have. I have so much to say. So. Patreon Andy Penn uh, gets in touch. Uh, he's not involved in the shit show that's Twitter. Good man. Uh, <laughs> he had this to say, which I think is quite fairly measured. Uh, what could be said of Chelsea's recent run entering game week 13? Just one group in the Champions League, sitting three points from the top. Uh, as worried as we may have been by the Everton loss, it felt like you might make a genuine tilt for the title. Alas, uh, galling defeat to Wolves when you dominated the game and failed to capitalise and a late winner for Wolves. Got back in track uh, with a convincing win over West Ham, but then we heard earlier Arsenal. Uh, defensive frailties appearing, a comprehensive and deserved loss, he says, and drawing to Villa was frustrating uh, since they had general control of the game and they were ahead. Uh, as a Chelsea fan, you tend to get used to the awful feeling of things coming apart at the seams, and I had exactly this thought ahead of City. Everyone did. I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't feel surprised when you were 3-0 down in the first half and another season appears to have slipped through our fingers. Ultimately, we've been playing well in patches, but our team is clunky and misfiring currently much less than the sum of our parts and losing concentration too often uh, at least we're finally rid of Kepa Chilwell and James are two amazing fullbacks and Kante playing like he used to in his old role who you, knew that you ignore happened. the last game yeah mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely um, but definitely need to get more out of Werner Pulisic Ziyech and I'm negative about our chances of anything better than top four however I believe the future's bright whether or not that is with Lampard I'm not sure patience is often rewarded but give him till the end of the season. But if we're still like a poorly tuned orchestra, come game week 38, it's time for a change. I don't know whether he's going to get until game week 38, but go on, Oscar. No, he's really not. I don't know if you guys saw that athletic story, but they are already... The athletic guy, Simon Johnson, being very much actually in the know, like a legitimate... He's one of the good ones, is he? Chelsea guy, yeah. And um, they're already like having meetings about alternative options. If they sack Frank, Like, who are they going to bring in? Yeah. So it is. It is no good. Not good times. I think the 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 um the time that he got for being a sort of Chelsea legend is definitely running out because I mean Roman has sacked managers for way way less than this 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Andy pretty much exactly hit it on the head with all the things he said, which is frankly nice because I've been getting in a lot of arguments with Chelsea fans on Twitter lately. I'm back on like 2014. The reason I started Chelsea Index is because I was sick of hearing people say stupid things that the data did not support. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a blog that proves to people that they're idiots because that's what people like, right? That's, <laughs> that's like your how... motivation. You are Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it's absolutely. your motivation. Malice. Um, and so I would just write articles about how, like, Brandon Slavovanovich isn't a problem, it's Cahill, or, you know, whatever, whatever the things are, right? But, like, other way around, Cahill wasn't the problem. Doesn't matter. That's six years ago. Uh, Andy's right. Andy hit the nail on the head. I think that we have been up and down too much in terms of our actual performances. I think Andy has exactly, perfectly, correctly described what the actualized results have been. Um, and that is also why... Uh, Abramovich is, you know, like you said, Abramovich has fired managers for a lot less than this. Like, Lampard through this many games is, I think, about this even with AVB, who was like one of the worst Chelsea managers, right? Like, those were dark days. And these are Lampard and like, so he points per game, points after this many matches, all that stuff. I think I saw a graphic today that in the Abramovich era, he's actually got the lowest win percentage at the moment. Yeah, that sounds about right. That does totally... He, his... Actualized numbers are not good, especially this year. Um, but my general response to something like that, and this speaks to a much, much larger, I think, issue. Um, I forget who it was. One of our Patreons in the Slack a few weeks back said something along the lines of like, oh, there's Oscar finding numbers to make Chelsea look better again. Like <laughs> digging deep to find some numbers. I love the way Oscar's pretend. Oh, I don't remember who it was. He's got a fucking tattoo of their name and when they said it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I will find you. I will find you. He's literally like Wentworth Miller. He's just got all these stats tattooed across his whole body. And he could always like, that's his prison break that you could just get out of jail. He just pulls up his pulls up his jean leg and go, well, actually, I think you're fine. The XG proves this. On the 27th of November, 2017. I have uh, uh, memento tattoos all over me. (laughs) So you can remember the Mourinho years the first time. Remembering the Mourinho years, yeah, exactly. Just Um, in the wrong order. Look, it's always (laughs) the same numbers, right? I'll address this because I think it is worth actually addressing in, in seriousness. Because I took that to heart and I was like, shit, am I just really biased? Am I doing this poorly? Because, like, I care about numbers more than I care about, like... Life anything, sounding smart anything. or whatever. The outside world. <laughs> Humanity. Yeah, sure. Um your wife? No, 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 no. She's great. She can hear me. She can hear me. Only because he did a spreadsheet to prove it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. There were ten categories. I put weights on them. <laughs> Literally put it up on a PowerPoint just before she walked down the aisle. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Oh, um no, look. It's always the same numbers. It's the expected numbers. It's the under underlying numbers because they are, we use them on this podcast. We use them mostly as a descriptive, which is to say like, oh, we look at a match. We say, wow, Chelsea wildly overperformed this team on XG. They played better that day on some level. Um, and that is one of the things that XG can be used for, although that requires a ton of caveats, which I probably admittedly don't do a good enough job of, like game state effects. Like, for example, Mourinho is always Burnleying, but that's because if you score with your first shot, of course you're going to defend the rest of the match. The other team's going to get chances, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's XG as a descriptor. But the reason I always come back to the underlying numbers, and especially at about the halfway mark of the season, is because the if you sort by expected points by the underlying numbers, that gives you a much, much, 
much more accurate prediction of what the table will look like at the end of the season than the quote-unquote actualized results, which are the things that I'm talking about. Like the things that have really happened, as you guys would say, reality, right? <laughs> as we would say, it's not some novel idea. We're not like... Three thinkers of our generation that coined reality. I'll never forget the day you invented reality, Chuck. It was a a lovely day. I was was in a 2D sort of weird world before then, but you just created reality. It was beautiful. It was a Thursday. (laughs) It's a great day. Thursday's a great day. Uh, What am I trying to say here? Look, expected as a fan of Chelsea who wants them to succeed, right? That's what fandom is, is I want my team to do well. Um, their underlying performances are a much more useful way to measure if they're probably going to end up in a good place at the end of the season, aka have success, than what has actually happened so far, right? Because sample size, because like that's literally what XG was built to do. We use it a descript- as a descriptor, but XG was built as a predictor, as a way to more accurately predict future results. Clubs use it, gambling sites use it, like they, they don't lose money for a reason. Right. And like last year, spoiler alert, I won the predictor league by just sorting by XG. Like (laughs) I did no work. I just was like XG sort. Okay, great. That's my predictor league. And I fucking won. Right. So like it it is a very, very powerful predictor. Like it has been studied, analyzed, written about in like legitimate papers over and over and over again. So when I say like, am I worried about Chelsea? No, the results are infuriating. I'm very angry emotionally i'm having a strong reaction to this situation i'm frustrated especially after yesterday when we got fucking destroyed by city and rightly so like of all the results that was a very legitimate one we got played off the fucking pitch but the performances have been good enough with the underlying that i'm not worried long term the only thing that worries me is the psychology of the team because now as the narrative takes over or as i like to call it confirmation bias um <laughs> Frank is getting legitimate questions. The club is actually looking at alternative options because people go off narrative. Our brains are naturally built to look for patterns, are naturally designed. Like like there is a whole field of study about biases and how they affect our decision making, right? And literally we're seeing that happen at Chelsea. But if you look at the quote unquote crisis that we've been in since we lost to Everton, I have those six results in front of me along with, as you might imagine, the underlying numbers. Uh, so I'll just run through them briefly. Everton 1, Chelsea 0. Everton 1.2 to Chelsea 1.0. So a draw that turned into a loss for Chelsea. Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. Wolves 0.7, Chelsea 1.6. So a win on XG that turned into a loss. Chelsea 3, West Ham 0. A win, 2.4 to 0.3. A win. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. Arsenal 1.9 to Chelsea's 2.3. So a draw that turned into a loss. Chelsea 1, Aston Villa 1, Chelsea 1.6 to Aston Villa 0.7, a win that turned into a draw. And Chelsea 1, Manchester City 3, we don't need to talk about that one. (laughs) (laughs) That one was... We got fucking wrecked. We got wrecked. Hey, hey, you won the second half, buddy. There you go. (laughs) The one they won. So we took four points over that six-match crisis, crisis, crisis run, but on the expectation, we would have ten points. And on the match-by-match expectation, meaning if all the results went along with XG, we would have had 11 points. So, like, again, concerned? No. Upset? Very. I don't want to fucking lose to Arsenal on Boxing Day. Do you know how embarrassing that is? (laughs) To have to face my family and friends when we've lost to Arsenal? 
And yesterday's match was bad. Yesterday's match was like fully legit. Pep just like outplayed us. His tactics were perfect. We were, didn't look up to it. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. It's tricky because I think if Pochettino hadn't gone to PSG, then Lampard would have a much bigger chance of being Yeah, that's sacked. weird though, man. Oh, Get yeah. Pochettino in on an 18-month contract. That's not ending well. Yeah. Just, just as an aside to everything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> legit. No, and from the Chelsea side of it, it's infuriating. I don't think Lampard has done a great job, for the record. I think he's done a pretty good job in a very difficult situation given the pandemic and everything else going on, right? Like, mm. new team, tr- tricky year anyway. Um... Chelsea are really fucking stupid. If they're going to fire him now, when they could have fired him two weeks ago and paid Pochettino infinite money to be our new manager, Pochettino probably the best manager in the world, one of, I guess Klopp is the best manager in the world. Pochettino's one of the best managers in the world and was available, and now they're going to fire him for what? Like, if they fire Frank now and hire fucking Goose Hiddink back in for a fourth time, (laughs) you know what I mean? The problem, you, the problem you've got, while I think you're right about the long term, is the short term. The short term, the Pochettino thing could have happened, but it didn't. So now you've got three routes. You've either got, you get rid of Frank and you have that horrible period of uh, having a new manager where it can go well, it, uh, but it might not. You know, how, how is a new manager going to immediately make these people gel? You keep Frank, but things don't get better because... Apparently he's falling out with players and stuff, and he certainly digs them out in his post matches all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not good. The team psychology is bad right now. Yeah, exactly. that's a worry. A or real the, worry. Or the, the third route, which I I think is probably what the least likely is that Frank improves this situation in the short term. So while I think long term you're right because the players you've got are, are great. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a worry in the short term. Speaking of terrible managers that should probably be gotten rid of, Crystal Palace, yay! Oh, don't say that about Hodgson, tinsel he's an window. old man. Oh, awful. Uh, 12th <laughs> in the tinsel window with five points, one win, two draws, two losses. Uh, 17th on expected points, yay! Apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> nine, 19th on goals allowed, that's not a good 19th. Uh, only West Brom conceded more goals than us in that time uh, expected goals allowed was 18th as well 16th for goals scored expected goals scored and 13th yeah just shit um, obviously you know it started off a bit weird uh, I'm just going to blitz through this because I talk about this a lot and I hate it uh, bullshit red card for Christian Benteke in the first game of the tinsel window means West Ham can come back into it 1-1 we then have that abhorrent Result against Liverpool. Uh, I switched off at 3 0, turned back on. Firmino scored the fifth. I went out the house. Um, we then 1 <laughs> 0 down against 10 men Villa. Lose 3 0. Uh, bring on a centre back for a centre back, Roy, you dinosaur. C- uh, then we played Leicester, uh, conceded late in that one as well, 1 uh, 1, and uh, beat Sheffield United. Like that saying much, um, but Eberiaze can literally do what he wants to me. Um, <laughs> the whole he's lot. so good, man. He's so good. We said that in our preview pod that like he was going to be the key between he is sex. You guys getting relegated and not if he could click, and he has come in and started clicking finally. And he's it, not it looks clicking, great. but it's yeah, it's literally it's solo brilliance that's saving Hodgson's job, not. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's either Zaha pulling a worldie, Guaita having an absolute worldie to keep us to a point against Tottenham, Eze uh, being outstanding. Like it's individual performances rather than overall team brilliance and lack of rotation, burning out, multiple injuries piling up again. Like literally, Benteke and Schlupp went off against Sheffield United in the first half. Like 
Yeah, that's not both, good. Both subbed off for soft tissue injury. Well, I think uh, Benteke's dead leg might come back. Schlupp might be out for like two months, a month at least, because uh, of a hamstring issue. And so, yeah, it's just a mess. Like, yeah, okay, 12th uh, for that period. And overall in the league, we're 14th. Um, but if you saw the overall league by expected points, we're 17th. So, like, we're massively punched above our weight. And it is kind of shows that. Uh, and you can, you can only ride that luck for so long, right? Uh, you know, only generating 0.6 xG against Sheffield United, 0.3 against Leicester, uh, against ten man Villa. What we generated 0.85, they generated 4.6. Like the the misnomer that Hodgson sets up a great defensive team and you won't go down. Nah, that's gone. Uh, for goals conceded, 17th most in the league. Like, that's not a solid defence. We've had two clean sheets this season, once against Southampton as a fluke at the start of the year and one against the worst performing team in top flight history. So, yeah. No, I'm not happy. Yes, I'd like things to go. Yeah. Any thoughts? No? Didn't think so. Everton! <laughs> Mark Howells at Dargiza on Twitter got in touch, uh, provided a bit of summary. So, at the start, Everton 2, Leicester 0, which was a nice start to the Christmas period and didn't expect a victory. Then Everton went on and beat Arsenal, which was a good win against the side you traditionally struggle with. Uh, this was before Arsenal like decided to play their good players again, obviously. Um, then they beat Sheffield United. Only 1-0, though. Uh, which he said is peak Everton after good wins against Chelsea, Leicester and Arsenal. <laughs> um, then Everton Man City was postponed, uh, which was Everton's best defensive performance of 2020. And then absolute sucker punch, Thomas Suchek, the cheat code in FPL, uh, hit Everton and they lost 1-0 to um, David Moyes' team. Uh, he said Everton seemed flat and lost the cut and thrust without Dina or when you can't counter-attack through Richarlison, it proved it. He has said, if you'd asked me 18 months ago, if he'd like to see Carlo Ancelotti in the club, he would have laughed mockingly. He would have snapped your hand off to be top six. And, you know, just yeah. he, he, he summarises quite well. And I quite like this, that Everton fans, like all fans that love their clubs, will always find something to moan about, brackets myself included. Uh, but the world has chosen to put this all into perspective at the minute. Uh, I cannot wait to go and watch the match again at the Old Lady. I prefer the name Jurassic Park or at the pub, but not at the risk of my family, friends or fellow fans. So, yeah, Everton, we started very high on Everton at the start of the year. And uh, Tinsel Window, they refer, re- returned to that form. Uh, nine mm. points, nine points in four games. Fourth. I don't know what to make of Everton because they they seem like that just go in waves. But are they have they been worse worse affected by injury than other teams? Do you think? Cause it it feels like, or is it injury and suspension with people like uh, Dina in the team? But it seems like they have little runs where uh, Hammers is out, Richarlison's out, Dina's out. Well, Hammers and... has been out since like the sixth week of the season. Yeah, well, he injured his bollock on one... Injured, one. injured, injured testicle. But, yeah, it just seems like you only need a couple of players to get injured mm. uh, with Everton and they struggle. But when they've got their f- sort of first 11, they're laughing, I think. And so what, it's, a, it's a tricky watching one. Watching games, I mean, Calvert-Lewin's still, like, lethal. Um, yeah. But he's so good. He's literally just not getting the service. Like At the minute, he sco- yeah. He scored 11 goals. He, you know, he's been on 11 goals. I don't think he's scored in four now. Uh, maybe after a really good run, but his XG is still ten point five, 
So it, it, it's like, and he's still in those positions. But when you take out Dina and Richarlison uh, and Rodriguez from that team, and then your back four keeps changing, um, I don't think they've been able to keep consistent. Like, uh, who else is in midfield? Uh, what's his name? Alan. I don't think he's yeah. been in for a little while. No, in and out, definitely. So, but the tinsel window definitely, like before the tinsel window, pre-tinsel, um, as as it were, uh, they were seventh, uh, and then you know performing to fourth as as dropped as popped them up a spot. Um, currently tied on points with uh, Man City. Yeah, I think I'd be happy if I was an Everton fan with that. To be honest. Oh yeah, big time. Especially like they're fun to watch too, which is yeah equally important. Like to me. I want Chelsea to win a trophy more than I want them to be fun to watch. But if they're not going to be fun to watch, or rather if they're not going to win a trophy, like having a team that's fun to watch is so important. Mm. And Everton are so much more fun to watch now than they have been in in a while, really. Mm. Especially when they're healthy, which unfortunately, like you guys said, they, they've struggled with a bit this year. But And while we, you know, while then on the subject of teams not being healthy, uh, kind of a decent segue then into Fulham, who have obviously had riddled yeah. with COVID Scott Parker at the minute quite a few players Alexander Mitrovic being a dick with Milivojevic um, and that has led to Patreon Safira Gold at Safira Gold on Twitter to get in touch uh, with summarising Fulham's festive fixtures uh, and it goes a little like this just like the Grinch who stole Christmas COVID-19 has stolen half of Fulham's festive fixtures but <laughs> before the cancelled games like the shepherd herding his flock Scott Parker has guided us to a much more solid end to 2020 with the most resilient and consistent defensive performances we've seen in years culminating in a 1-1 draw away at Newcastle 0-0 with Southampton and robbed oh whilst also being robbed of two points by shocking refereeing at St James Literally every team has had that this season. The referees are absolute shit. Not that I don't sympathise with you, but referees are shit. Uh, if this had happened to Man United or Liverpool, for instance, there would have been a lot more fuss. That is referring to Callum Wilson uh, being a toe rag. Uh, the squad, the three rise men at the back are, here we go, <clears throat> Tosin Adarabayoyu. No, mm. Ola Aina and the magnificent Joachim Anderson. This has been complemented by the addition of Anthony Robinson, keeping the full America connection strong, and a revitalised Bobby Deckard over Reed in the wing back positions. Lookman, yes, and Mario Lamina have been welcome additions to the team. No mention of Rubin there. Bit sad. Disappointing. Then she waxes lyrical about Andre, Frank, Zambo, and Guisa, a name I absolutely love. Uh, <laughs> she she calls it his second coming. His tricks, strength, and vision and creativity have made him a fan favourite, and big teams coming in for him is a big concern. Uh, they really want a pacey striker in January. And she also mentions about Mitrovic being a dick. Uh, it's been great to see Fulham end a year with resilience and a squad of players who seem to give everything when they play. Uh, we have certainly seen enough to have a realistic hope of staying in the Premier League. As my dad said to me, it felt particularly sad not to be at the cottage for the Boxing Day game. But here's hoping to next Christmas, watching from us seats in the Johnny Haynes stand. Come on, you whites. A spirited, spirited defence of Fulham there. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what three points in three games will do to you. Like. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard Fulham and defence in the same sentence in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, tinsel window-wise, like, it's mad. They played one or two games less than everyone else. Uh, and 16th out of it, uh, 13th for expected points from three games and played <laughs> wow, two less. Okay. So, so it is actually right. And, you know, I mentioned a, f- a few weeks ago that it was nice to see Fulham, like, starting to come back. And I think it's just really bad timing. Like, COVID ripped that team apart. 
uh, and just meant yeah, and the manager as well, and just meant that potentially it hasn't been as lucrative as it should have been. Okay, so that's one uh, promoted side that maybe things haven't been going well for. And then we move on to uh, another promoted side who they have been, or they've been awful, or they're, you know, Bales is a genius, or he's a madman. Who knows? <laughs> Leeds United, uh, a Scottish man, Bruce, got in touch at Brew Crookshank. Love it. Uh, saying he's a Leeds fan here, was disappointed with the result, uh, the last result, uh, which was against Spurs and conceding two goals against the run of play when you couldn't land them perfectly. Uh, all in all, they've gotten a lot of points recently. And getting up, beating away to Spurs isn't the end of the world. No bother. But playing against Newcastle and West Brom showed their attacking power. Or did they score 11 goals in those two games? Um, uh, when we're on it but likewise Man United and Burnley show the problems we can have if things don't click we are always a threat uh, but I am not naive enough to realise the all out attack style is unsustainable yes that's what I say we all say that <laughs> especially proven against the bigger teams but from a football fan point of view it is pretty incredible to watch uh, I'll give you that and if any team in the league played like that I'd watch them religiously as it's too good to miss alright steady on there mate uh, overall staying up and getting the Premier <laughs> money in will be massive for us allow us to upgrade and get into the top tier defenders any defenders literally any one that can defend uh, that we need to do that hard job of keeping goals out when we attack as much as I do as we do sorry that paired with players like Robin <laughs> Cock <laughs> uh, returning from injury who was in the top five defenders in the league before he got injured uh, I hope you've got that stat tattooed on you somewhere uh, Bruce and I really can't complain about being a Leeds fan right now do you know what he, you know from the horse's mouth, as it were, hearing those things, like you can't really deny it. Like Leeds are fantastic going forward and can't defend for shit. Yeah, nice to hear a Leeds fan with a bit more of a realistic take than some of those on Twitter you hear from. <laughs> um, just because, yeah, I think the sort of Bielsa ball thing, it's going to be interesting to see the second half of the season. That's not exactly a piping hot take, is it? No. But He's absolutely right as well in that when I'm, as a Premier League neutral, looking at the fixtures that are on telly, I am not particularly enthralled by watching Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. But I will probably watch whoever... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I will probably watch whoever Leeds are playing. Like Whoever Leeds are playing, I'll watch it because it's either going to be against Tottenham where Bielsa's complete tunnel vision about how he wants to play means even when it's clear that it's not working because Jose had set up four leads specifically by pressing them high up not giving them any time on the ball and and was really impressive in how he set up tactically for that and Bielsa will not adapt absolutely will not adapt to that so there is while I do think Bielsa's brilliant I think that stubbornness could be a real problem, um, but yeah, I do. I do think they play really entertaining football. I just hope they. I genuinely hope, even though we we occasionally slag off Leeds, I genuinely hope they don't go the same way that Norwich did, where it was all very entertaining to start with, and then just went up the shitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about them going back down even a little bit, but no, you know, are they gonna finish in a European spot, even including the Europa League? No. Maybe. I don't think so. I, think I don't think so either. Table, That's I not think. my sense. Where are they unexpected right now for the whole season? They, we well, talked about the tinsel window. Well, here's, but... here's what's amazing if you look at the stats. So, like, across the whole season, and this is why numbers are fun. Um, they are hey! fifth, fifth for goals scored, <laughs> fifth for XG. Uh, they are 19th for goals conceded. 
and 19th for expected goals conceded. Uh, you, go, you go to the midpoint of those two numbers, 11.5, where a lead, 12th. You know what I mean? There like, you go. I just like that. I just like that. Yep, that's um, nice. But yeah, tinsel window-wise, it's, it's literally the same. 19th for expected goals conceded. <laughs> <laughs> Are they are they the Peterborough? They're the Peterborough of the Premier League. Is that what Peterborough are like? That's what everyone's calling them. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't have XG in Peterborough yet. They don't have it. They haven't upgraded. They haven't even got fibre broadband. Um... <laughs> Look, Peterborough aren't playing. I need something. We talk about fixture congestion. We had our three like cancelled, and then the one that we were going to play, Doncaster had their fixtures cancelled. So fucking <laughs> everyone's got COVID. We're all fucked down in League One. Yeah. <sighs> I feel so betrayed. I thought Chelsea were the Peterborough of the Premier League. Now you're saying it's no, no, Leeds. no, no. We're the Chelsea of League One. Yeah. Mm. Oh, is that how it goes? Okay, <laughs> that is what he said. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but to summarise, in terms of this being the first season that I've properly watched Leeds, it makes perfect sense to me why the Bielsa burnout in the later half of the season is a thing that has become consistent uh, throughout his career because. Like there is something to be said for when you are when United have already scored six against you, you just don't stop attacking. But like chasing those lost balls, risking soft tissue injuries against complete mm. what are complete lost causes. Like yeah, sometimes in this league, like a two or even three goal deficit, like it's still attainable, definitely. And like the Brighton Wolves game showed us that this week uh, with how crazy and topsy turvy it was. But like at some point, you do need to know. Like, I'm not saying compromise on style and, like, change the way you play for minute one in a game. But when you know a game is done, maybe just sub out your key players that are getting that yeah. are playing 90 minutes every fucking week. I do think, though, that this year that will be significantly less of a risk, I guess, for Leeds if their pressing numbers drop off. Because I saw a tweet today. I'm actually really glad that you guys brought this up. There's a tweet from Football Reference, FBRF. Um, that would, they did an analysis of the number of pressures per match, not just in the Premier League, but across the five big leagues for every month for the last like 18 months or whatever. It was like, how much are people attacking the ball? How many pressures are happening every 90 minutes across the big five leagues? And like last December, here, let me pull it up on Twitter. Uh, December 2019, they peaked at 350 pressures per match. What? Yes. That's right. Then that drop to was down by 250 by August and it has not really come back up. So the big like that, this is just basically a, a way of measuring how fucking tired everyone is <laughs> after 2020 because it was 350, 330, 320, 330. This is March 2020. We come back 275 per match, 260 per match, 260 per match, 270 per match, 260 per match. Like the almost a hundred pressures per match have been lost to teams being tired post COVID and with the fixture congestion. And that's not just in England. So I think that like Leeds can kind of afford to shade a few tired legs and still come out relatively fine. Just given that everybody else is so fucking gassed. But I think the key takeaway here is that Patrick Bamford is once again, underperforming his XG. <laughs> 
Okay, we can end that there for once. Uh, we move on to, well, there we go, a fanfare for the champions, I guess. Uh, we move on to Liverpool uh, and Sam Danby, uh, Patreon, who is at Sam James Bailey on the Twitters, uh, gets in touch with his Liverpool festive thoughts. I mean, he he's right so much. I mean, to be fair, I had two Man United fans get in touch. Oh, boy. Uh, we got that to look forward to. Um <laughs> He went through a bit of fixtures. Uh, he mentions about the Spurs game. It was a while ago, but he went to the pub for it. What's the pub? Don't even remember no, what that's what like. What is the pub? Should be said he lives in Norway, so it's a totally different uh, rule system. Oh, yeah, when we're of course. In, yeah. Yeah. When we're in tier 92, that'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, they went into lockdown with 500 cases a day. We kind of almost did it with nearly 60,000. Says a lot. <laughs> I um, do think uh, also isn't pub just the word for bathroom over there? Like, you guys call it the loo, they call it the pub, right? So he was just watching from the toilet, I think. <laughs> I have no idea. Spurs were fighting for the top spot, and Bobby Firmino scoring late on helped the team give him some Norwegian wood. Uh, there's the link there. Oh, dear. Uh, and Spurs nearly hung on to get something from this game, but they didn't. And then there's just uh, 7-0 Palace. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> something, something. Okay, all right. Out of deference. Literally everything went right for Liverpool in that fucking game. It was insane. Um, I won't talk too much about this one, but well, we came together. It was great to get back to smashing teams. Fuck you. Following the leak of Salah being benched. Pff, yeah, like that mattered. You FPL losers. Losing your minds on Twitter. Uh, Palace didn't know what to do. Fact. They just had to sit back and let it be. Fact. Take it like a fucking bitch. And probably wanted the game to end after an hour being played. 15 minutes. Could have scored at any time. Stats showing they dominated. Fact. Uh, then one, one, one to... Here's what's weird right with Liverpool 1-1 one, one to West Brom 0-0 nil, nil to Newcastle like we're not delving any further in those games Sam and Sorry. they are currently no. losing in the 73rd minute 1-0 to Southampton well yes and uh, Sam put on here is a prediction of uh, Southampton 2-0 as the game hasn't happened I can only predict never in my life would I expect us not to win this as we need to get back to winning ways <laughs> oh egg on Ooh. your face <laughs> maybe it's, I mean it's the 73rd minute it's all going to happen. Uh, he, so he predicted 2-0 Liverpool, but then put two goals for Salah, one goal for Ings. I don't think maths, mate, is your thing. <laughs> Not so much with the maths. No, but uh, anyway, in the five games we have played, well, four, uh, we've conceded three and not more than one in any game form. Yeah, we haven't got as many points as with teams around us as we would have liked. United catching up is fine. They're quite fun to watch. And I like Ole. It must be because he's in Norway, I guess. Uh, do you want to know the secret? We will still win the league. I am confident of it and expect us to be four points clear at the end of January. Ian, note that down. <laughs> Oscar, tattoo that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my response to that is you are already four points clear of the next best title rival, and that is City. The other teams in between don't give a fuck. They don't matter. So fuck well, I mean, City man. have a game in hand, potentially two games in hand, and only being three points behind at the minute, which is mad. Isn't it? Considering not that long ago, we were like, well, City can't catch up. Like, this season's just insane. Yeah, we'll get to City, I'm assuming, in a second, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the next team anyway, so we can kind of take it together because, again, no Man City fans got in touch, which is a bit weird, I guess, because, again, like, it, I mean, it explains why they can't fill the stadium. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> We're always pretty nice to Man City, that's surprising. Yeah, I, I like yeah. Man City. Yeah. I'm, I'm very nice about them. I mean, I'm totally down with Brighton not getting in touch. I fully understand that. But what Man City? I don't know. Yeah, why. this is it. But, you know, Liverpool sixth uh, in the tinsel window uh, as it stands. Seventh, seventh on expected points. 
That'll go up a little bit. Even if they lose here, they'll still get more than zero expected points. Yeah, but we can only work with what the data we had, man. True, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they dropped off in form, but they're still the best team. And I don't give a fuck about United catching them on points. Like, whatever. Again, actualized results versus, like, predictive at the end of the season stuff. They're just really fucking good, and it makes me so fucking mad. And the further behind the actual title-running teams fall the more likely it is that Liverpool can just coast to the title, like mm. last year. Mm. Um, I do not want this. Someone put in a word, 2020 is over. We do not deserve another Liverpool title. We've suffered enough. Oh, yeah, but if the answer to that is another Man United title, like, count me the fuck out. <laughs> like, that's not... I know we said anything else, but no. Oscar is dismissing that as a possibility. He's not, not even having it. Uh, I'm not dismissing it as a possibility. I'm dismissing it as a probability. Because it Understood. is highly, yeah. highly unlikely. But just that yeah. little twist. Just a little twist. Did you notice that there? Did you notice that there? But you know, speaking of them, one of the teams. I mean, we don't like. I said, no one got in touch. Uh, Boohoo for the blue side of Manchester, Manchester City, um, with a game in hand. Again, as we said, uh, which is the same for Liverpool uh, as we record. But third. Uh, playing a game less than Arsenal and Man City. Uh, second for expected points. Um, you know, sixth for goals. Third for expected goals. Second for goals allowed. And they had the best uh, XGA uh, with across four games, only conceding 1.7 XG. So, like, Oof. City defence is back. Three wins, one draw. Undefeated in that time, like... Yeah, and I, I guess since we didn't have anyone write in, I'll, I'll jump in here. Thank you for the numbers. Actually, weird that I'm not the one doing the numbers. I'm going to do the, the words. <laughs> um, but having them with them having just played Chelsea and me having been watching them with a more eye towards tactics instead of stats recently, I feel like I can semi-competently speak about what the fuck is going on at City right now just because I've been curious. And the answer is that goddamn fucking Pep Guardiola, man, is just really good at implementing new systems and teaching players things. And it's so fucking frustrating because well, when we were sitting here being like, oh my God, City are in crisis. Their players look confused and lost. What are they even doing? They're playing different. Meanwhile, give it a fucking month of the players being confused and now all of a sudden they understand the system. They're playing a fundamentally different shape with fund attacking not just the half spaces, but the inter line space the line spaces which is to say the area right in front of the edge of the box on on the outside of the d yep so you know you know the little circle bit at the top of the penalty box <laughs> yep <laughs> everything to the left or right of that within 10 yards of the penalty box that is what they target with their passes whether it's a cutback or a forward pass and what they did against chelsea and i suspect we'll see it against other teams because it's not that far different from what they've been doing anyway is playing false forwards in the case of against Chelsea, two fucking false forwards or a false 18, as I saw someone call it on Twitter. Didn't I say play two false nines once and it's a false 18? Did you? Sounds like something you'd say. All right, well then let's say Chuck coined that. You invented Oscar, it. Oscar, check your tattoos. You'll find it on this yep, okay. Maybe, yeah, th maybe That one's on my butt, so I can't see it. With left a Areola. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gross. The Fulham keeper? Alfonso, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay. Um... No, so what so what happens is that they drag the center backs out forward. So now there's space behind the center backs, but the center backs aren't willing to come that far up. So now those players are existing between Conte and the two center backs between the defensive mid and between the midfield and the back line. The defenders are pulled out of position because they don't know who to pick up because there's no striker, but there's two guys kind of sort of in front of them. 
But then at the same time, the defensive mids get sucked backwards into that half space, into that interline space. And everybody's just fucking confused because no one's where they're supposed to be. And it looks like chaos. And then a month later, all of a sudden, it's the same thing happening over and over again. And it still looks like chaos, but clearly Pep is doing it on purpose. And he took a whole fucking team that had been perfect for years and was like, well, now we don't really have Fernandinho and now Silva's gone and now Aguero's old. How do I completely reinvent this team on the fly? And it looked bad for a month or so. And then lo and behold, before anybody even noticed, all of a sudden they look like a competent, structured team. They keep the ball for long stretches of time. It's closer to his old Barcelona team from back in the day. Defensive possession. Keep the ball for forever. The other team can't create chances if they don't have the ball. And we will generate one or two or three very high quality chances in those interline spaces, in those half spaces, and we'll win. And we'll win 1-0 every fucking game. And we'll win 2 or 2-0 every fucking game. Like, remember Spain did it to a, two World Cups. Or no, two Euros in a World Cup. Whatever. That fucking Spain team just played the Pep way, the Barcelona way. And he's bringing that shit back. And from the outside in, watching Pep do that, while Frank still hasn't fully been able to put together his A system, for reasons, real reasons, fine. But, like, it really highlights the difference between Pep being Pep. And other managers, like that he was able to reinvent this team so fundamentally on the fly and they look so fucking good while the yeah, underlying numbers stuck was, around. That's like, just going back to the DNA though. Like it seemed, we've said it before, like it seemed like he was just doing weird shit for ages that made no sense. And the title winning team was really simple, but it wasn't even at the point where they were playing triangles. They were playing like fucking pentagons and hexagons uh, around the players. They, they had that many attacking options. And then it would just be pass, 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 get it down to the byline, cut across to about the penalty spot, tapping goal. Like we saw that probably... 30, 40 times out of the 102 goals or whatever it was they scored that year. And so, like, it makes sense that they are so quickly able to just do it. Whereas, you know, that's why I don't think it's fair to compare to Frank Lampard in that way because, you know, he doesn't have the time with the squad and also the time as a manager himself to know what to do, right? I think Lamp- yeah. I think Lampard knows what he wants to do but doesn't know how to get there. But whereas Pep just tries some other shit for a little while and then just goes, all right, well, let's just go back to what we all do know, what we all can do, what is in the DNA of this team. You know, it's like a a, a jazz group going off and having like two or three new musicians going in. It's like, we're going to lead in, you just jump in and you just get on board when we go for it. And all of a sudden these new players can just pick up because you've got players like KDB and Sterling and uh, some of the defenders, like even John Stones, Carl Walker, whatever, that have been around that team for long enough that they know what to do going forward, maybe. I don't know, it could all just be bollocks, but none of you, none of the Man City fans got in touch, so they can't argue with us about it. That's true, that's true. <laughs> well, we should move on to the red side of Manchester, but, you know, Alphabet, I forgot Leicester. Um, but then, <laughs> again, none of none of you guys got in touch. Um, well, so... the M is silent in Leicester. It's molester. Oh, Molest- oh, oh no, 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 no. no. Hello. <laughs> There's your outro. Um, just to run through the stats really quickly, though. Leicester across the tinsel window. Two wins, two draws, one loss. Eight points. Uh, they are eighth. 
Uh, expected points sixth, goals sixth, expected goals ninth, uh, and yeah, mid table just for everything. Generic Leicester still always seem to be in and around that part of the table every single fucking year. It's bad. Uh, but anyway, the red side of Manchester. Uh, funnily enough, they all wanted to get in touch. I had about six fans get in contact and I had to push back four. Uh, but we'll go through this very rapidly because you know you can have your limelight, whatever. Your top of every stat. Well done, Manchester. I hope you enjoy it. All the grace, a reversing dump truck. Uh, but Zane <laughs> at AJ11ZA on Twitter and Andy Case at Andy underscore Case got in touch. And so this is a kind of hybrid between the two. Um, Zane said, you know, he wants to take it seriously. The last five games have been fantastic. You know what? Yes, you have. Uh, particularly from an attacking point of view. Marshall had started in poor form, but he's coming back. And Fernandez rightly gets all the plaudits. Um there is a strong correlation between Marshall turning the season around, he feels, and the performance is going well. Um, Rashford's had a bit of ups and downs that hasn't really negatively impacted his, his output. And uh, since Raiola's uh, comments about Pogba, he's been one of their best players. Uh, and since he's mentioned him, he wants to just touch on transfers. He doubts they'll make any. It's United. They'll spend a load of money, mate. Uh, although a major signing at defensive midfielder or right wing specifically could further propel our title challenge. Brackets which will be nowhere near uh, come game week 38. Interesting. Um, he definitely thinks Pogba is leaving and van der Beek is the replacement. So he van der Beek needs to have much more involved uh, this season, next season, sorry. And uh, Sancho will be the main target next summer and maybe a right back to give competition to uh, my boy Wan-Bissaka. And then to kind of cover the defensive side, uh, Andy says, uh, you can't trust United as a defence and in fantasy, don't go near him fair um the defense is weird as a unit they don't generally defend too badly but so many individual mistakes occur so regularly it means they concede way more than they should Maguire is slow on the turn and some of that is helped by Bailey's uh by sorry sorry just habit I just assume he's one of me um as he is quicker and sharper but also reckless yes uh same with Tellers more creative lost his place to shore and not a lot of points scoring opportunities there for FPL the attack is their strength very good on their counter. Fernandez is a must-own in FPL facts. He's a fact. He also famously invented penalties when he came to the league, uh, judging by the amount of people going on about it on Twitter with Man United, that um, there were no penalties. Just like football didn't exist before 1992, penalties didn't exist 18 months ago. Um, I like the FPL thing, people who go, um, oh, uh, Bruno owners are jammy getting another penalty. Mm. Fuck off. Yeah. Like they've seen that he, he gets penalties and he scores penalties, so they bought him. You had that same yeah. ability. I was annoyed. He kept scoring every week, and he didn't. I didn't own him. So you know what I did? I bought him. Funnily yeah, enough, I fucking bought he him. He keeps returning. <laughs> Crack on! It's a fucking game. Um, he thinks Greenwood will be a star. Yes, obviously he's dipped a little bit this season. Um, mm. He just needs to fulfil his potential and play with some regularity. Uh, but he's a rotation risk in terms of FPL as well. Cavani has uh, shown over that stretch that he is the best number nine in the squad. Interesting uh, right now. Uh, hmm. So at roughly 8 million would be a great option if he gets more starts when he comes back from his uh, suspension, which obviously uh, it comes from, I, I can't claim to know exactly, I believe it's some sort of um, racial incident. Yeah, it was a racially insensitive word on uh, Instagram. It's, uh, that's a super complicated situation. Just in two sentences briefly, he used a term of endearment in Uruguay. But it is a highly offensive word basically everywhere else other than a handful of Latin American countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, so someone in England heard it. They were like, that's offensive. 
He got a three-match ban. Today, the Uruguay players all came out and were like, that's not offensive. Um, yeah. It's kind of offensive. It's more a nickname that boomers use that like millennial Latin Americans are like, huh, maybe let's not use that. Yeah. I don't know. And on the reverse now, the Uruguay FA is claiming... I believe, racism or cultural prejudice, something like that, against the Mm -hmm. English FA. So, messy. Very messy. Uh, Not Lionel Messi, because he's Argentinian. Um, Anyway, there's maybe an argument for him on sheer number of chances he might well get if he continues to play ahead of Cavani. That is Martial. Sorry, I missed that out. But as a fan, I hope Cavani plays more, as I'm far more confident he would take more of the chances provided. There we go. And I mean, he's not wrong about the defence. Um, first for points in that period, first for expected points, first for goals, first for XG, uh, but then for goals conceded, 12th, expected goals conceded, 10th. So literally everything adds up, the stats add up to the eye test as well. Uh, Moving on, Newcastle United, Stu Lord, at Stu, S-T-U, Lord, got in touch. Uh, He said, uh, I've stopped watching the shit that is Newcastle. I'd rather watch Concrete Dry on a rainy night. (laughs) Fair enough. Let's move on. I have nothing to add. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Another Steve Bruce fan. Yeah. I mean, I literally try to skip their fixture every week. I'm like, Newcastle, we don't care about them. Moving on. Yeah. You guys are like, yeah, we should talk about Alan St. Maximin. And I'm like, okay, you get no, 30 seconds. Andy Let's Carroll's move on. back. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But even their own fans can't be enthused enough to do it then. And, uh, yeah, speaking of no enthusiasm, uh, Sheffield United, bless him, Harry Johnson at HasJohnson98 uh, got in touch on Twitter with his thoughts. I mean, RIP in peace. I'm just going to read this uh, beautiful part. Like a smashed glass bottle being twisted into an open wound, which is on fire and having <laughs> acid poured on it. That is how painful <laughs> it is. But the truth of it is we were a mid-table championship team that Wilder somehow got promoted playing fabulous football. Our players continued wow. to do that in the Prem with a League One journeyman centre-back in Basham playing back heels in the opposition box. It was a modern-day miracle. But alas, as my dad has always taught me growing up, there is always someone worse off than you. Sheffield Wednesday are moving on to their third manager of the season. Have <laughs> to get a dig in. Good man. <laughs> Shout out Dave Mateo. Uh, I am in agony at our position and state, given we know we can perform so much better as we did last year. But I take great comfort that the Messiah, that is Jesus H. Christ himself, I guess, Chris Wilder as our leader, we will be back and hopefully follow the Burnley method. What big dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Got to dream big. Yeah, look, my take on Sheffield is the same as it has been. They're not the worst team in the league, but they are the third worst team in the league. And they're so far behind at this point that it's probably unlikely they can dig themselves out of that hole. Yeah, I mean, I even worked it out that they... So for the games that are going, like they're underperforming by what? Like 13 points? something. 16, I think. It's like 16 points. For the rest of the season, they need to earn just under 1.7 points per game which if you did over the whole course of the season is a 60 point season. Uh, that is Yeah, they don't have a 60 point and, season in there. And that's just to hit 35. Yeah, right. which wouldn't even necessarily make them safe. No, I mean, nah, yeah. they're fucked. They're just too fucked. Yeah. Like it's it's half a season's worth of a hole. Yeah. So as, <laughs> there you go. Um <laughs> and uh, yeah, as much as we joke about it like there is this done. I mean even the bookies odds after 17 games are uh 25 to 1 on that Sheffield United will go down. Ooh. Printing money if you can put a load on. Yeah, I guess. But so yeah, they they need to perform to what would have earned them six 
sixth place last year uh, to be able just to potentially yeah. stay up. I mean... God, sorry, Harry, but that was very colourfully written. I did enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, well, you've got to take some uh, creativity. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, we move on now to Southampton, who, I mean, we're in the 93rd minute and they're still beating Liverpool. Fucking hell. Yeah, madness. So uh, Southampton, uh, Dan Tiller, at my underscore name is underscore Dan, got in touch and said, after 2020 Southampton have had, I can't complain too much about the Christmas period, starting with sticking three past the league's whipping boys. Sheffield United, sorry, Harry. Uh, It's been pretty flat (laughs) affair. Draws with Arsenal, Fulham and West Ham and a typical loss to City. It feels like six points dropped rather than the usual struggle through the fixture pile-up for a small club with a small squad. I mean... Again, 94th minute now. How many minutes are added on in this game? Fucking hell. Uh, oh, full time. Yeah, uh, so Southampton won. There you go. So Southampton, uh, one wow. win, three draws and one loss over the tinsel window. Bar, bar, Liverpool. Uh, anyway, six points would have had us third in the league. However, after the year we've had, that does sound ridiculous. We have come a long way, facts. Uh, I do think for a team that exert as much energy as we do during the match, a game every three days doesn't suit. We look tired and lethargic right now, but I do expect by the end of Jan, we get back to winning ways and push for the top 10 finish. One last thing, Ralph, what a man. I mean, never <laughs> mind top 10 finish, mate. Like, that's surely that's Southampton should be looking higher than that. There's some weird stat that uh, they've, oh, yeah, they've now beaten the reigning champions. Every single team that's won the Premier League, Southampton have beaten them the year after they've won the Premier League. So all of the seven champions, Southampton have beaten them the year after. That's huh. a cool stat. Hmm. They're yeah. they're full of like weird cool stats, if nothing else. <laughs> it's like literally the only thing Twitter is good for. Uh, moving on, anyway, to uh, I guess the new punching bag. Uh, Adam was the old punching bag. Jeff Pedder and Tottenham uh, at Jeff underscore Pedder. Uh, Spurs festive form could not have been more Spurs. Really good tactical performance versus Liverpool in a game I still believe we should have won. That doesn't mean we were the better team that game for all the whining fucking pool fans who have currently angry blood pouring for their eyes, but we should have won. <laughs> Him and Sam might have some beef after this. Uh, they then followed yeah. up with the classic, hey, we fooled you performance versus Leicester that was so bad I thought we'd been transported back to the turgid days of VS Boash. Um, draw at Wolves is technically a good result, but we showed the ambition of a sloth and all-inclusive. <laughs> what? This is brilliant. Uh, a cancellation <laughs> followed, which was great for a bit of a rest, as we then played the team that never stop attacking. Good for them and the praise they received as we beat them 3-0 in the most comfortable performance at the lane since we slapped aside that mob from Woolwich a few weeks ago. But, yeah, as he says here, four out of 12 points. Mm. Not very good. Harry Kane continues to be the fucking Don. Fat. Son is son. Fat. Tongi and Dombele, though. That's the positive. Last few games, he's been fantastic and is really influencing games. Negatives. We need more goals from other players and 76% goal involvement from the main two isn't sustainable. So someone else needs to step up. I mean, Kane's posted a double-double already. Like, he's in double digits for goals and assists less than halfway through the season. Like, that's immense. Yeah, but they are in. He's he's right. They are in a position where if they lose either of Kane or Son, then mm. you, you do worry about things drying up because other players have been very poor in front of goal. But luckily, Kane and Son have been absolutely deadly. So yeah, but even so, man, we said like when whenever we were talking about the three teams in the title race being Chelsea, Spurs, and Liverpool, that 
Chelsea's numbers were legit, but Tottenham were wildly overperforming. And like, yes, they're going to naturally overperform when they have two players as talented as Son and Kane. But yeah, it is regressing. And that is more reflective of like who even they are as players and the chances that they create. Like, sure, like I said, Kane and Son will overperform, but they're not going to more than double overperform. Like, that's just not going to keep happening. And we're seeing that and now their form is falling off. Like, so that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And in the, in the tinsel window, as you said, four points. Um, 13th, 11th unexpected. And uh, yeah, like firmly mid for every other stat. Uh, 11th for goals, 10th for XG, 9th for goals conceded. So kind of a mixed bag across across those results, as, as he kind of said. Um, but with the caveat, again, that they did play one game less. Um, but, you know, they're fourth. They haven't dropped off as much, maybe, as people thought. Hmm. No, they're still ahead of Chelsea. Yeah. And, like. uh, and relegation threat Arsenal are only three points behind Chelsea as well. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I just wanted to get that, that one in there. Uh, we now move on to another one of those teams that, it's not looking good. Uh, West Brom, uh, a guy called Lockie Benton. I like that. Uh, at Lachlan Benton on Twitter. Uh, West Brom, as awful as you can get. Players not tracking runners from midfield. Opposing fullbacks not being tracked. Completely overrun. Means any player with any sort of movement has a great chance of scoring or assisting. We'll lose no matter who we play. Maybe not to Sheffield (laughs) United though. (laughs) They're the Norwich. Uh, Think from outside uh, in terms of this is referring to Aladici coming in. Obviously Sam Allardyce since we last recorded. Thinking from the outside, it looks like he'll turn us around, but our whole squad is below standard. Bilic was holding together a piss-poor side. He feels the Bilic sacking was understandable, but the replacement was awful. Interesting. Our only hope this year is going forward. That's our strength and doesn't suit Sam. We've conceded 13 goals in four games under him. I see what he's saying there, really, because I think the job to fix West Brom defensively is beyond one man I'm not sure it can be done so I I do see what he's saying I I don't think they can be fixed in the Allardyce way so maybe someone else was required who could you know fire him up like Leeds and send him out I don't know but I do I do get what he's saying with that one I don't know I I because obviously I've had experience of Allardyce coming into my team when we've been absolute shit right and so we had This is off the back of that year where we were at Christmas, we were like fourth, and then we had like a calendar year that was absolute hell. And then at the end of that calendar year is when Allardyce came in, and we were 17th with 15 points from 17 games. I think the total calendar year we got 30. Um, Before we got our first win with him, and he didn't win any of his first six games as manager, so it was a seventh game, and we were still shit, like all over the place. We were 18th. There were 16 points from 22 games. And then from the last 16 games, we got another, uh, what was it, 25 points from 16. So like a point and a half a game. And, you know, that was the first win came at the end of January after we got Milivojevic, Van Arnholt, Schlupp, and got Sacco in on loan. Uh, we had the, the last win at Anfield. Uh, we did beat Chelsea. We beat Arsenal in that. So like... I, I have faith that, I mean, him coming out, he's very good at the Mourinho style, using the situation to get more money. And like, he wants to spend money. Yeah. And obviously him coming oh, God, out with this yeah. Brexit thing at the minute and it will do that. And it's like, he loves that. He, I yeah. think he really does and loves that controversy. 
But like he would have had assurances when he was there. I I think West Brom they will spend money, and I I have faith that he'll turn it around just because I've seen what he can do. Okay, well I hope for West Brom fans' sake he's got the time to do it. Yeah, he um, Lockie went on uh, to say that he thinks that Allardyce will leave in March. Right. <laughs> I'd say I'd say if Allardyce doesn't get the investment, he leaves before that. But yeah, if he doesn't get the promises fulfilled, yeah, absolutely, yeah. he'll just go. Yeah. He can't be asked. Well, he can't afford getting relegated. No, ruin his big uh, his big reputation. His whole thing is that he's never been down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he won't he won't want to go down. Expected yeah. points, expected goals, expected goals conceded for the tinsel window. Twentieth in every single one. Ooh, yeah. And they're around there for the whole season too. They're like nineteen or twenty, right? Yeah, on everything. They're fucking terrible. One less West team for me to have to try to remember the difference between, so fuck them. Maybe, but the other West team will go on to, uh, from John OG, at the Flying Slug on Twitter. I love that name. Uh, a tough fix- uh, festive fixture list saw West Ham visit Chelsea, Southampton, Everton, and get a decent return of four points from those games. Prior to those, they would have expected more than two draws at home to Palace and Brighton. No, no, you didn't deserve a point. Fuck off. Uh, West Ham had to come from behind <laughs> twice in the Brighton game which shows the resilience that's been missing for a long time, maybe even as far back as the Big Sam era. Yeah, another link. Maybe it has something to do with not having 50,000 fans booing you at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> to that I say, they've never had 50,000 fucking fans in there. No um, Allaire has done well following Antonio's enforced absence through injury. I'm sure he's very glad that Antonio's back, though. Uh, and now has seven goals this season. That's Allaire, averaging a goal every two games. Hopefully, enable Moyes to ease the burden on Antonio, who has been magnificent since the restart, but has hamstrings that are about as durable as a cobweb. Um, Suchek's fantastic goal-scoring form continues, even though he admitted that playing over Christmas was strange, as usually over this period he sits at home with his family for three weeks, eating potato salad. You can't help but admire that honesty. And at present, we are on the same number of points as Villa, Chelsea and Southampton. Not Southampton anymore, mate. Three (laughs) off the European places and 15 above relegation. Very happy with that so far. They're real good. Um, And Antonio being back is going to be huge for them. Especially if you're measuring your success relative to like how far are we above the relegation zone, then West Ham are having a fucking phenomenal season. Like they're not going to be anywhere near that conversation. Well, they they never should have been anyway. I mean, it's only because it's taken a long time for them all to click. We've said before they've got the the names they've got. They should never have been. Yeah, it's the revolving door of transfers. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, they're finally not playing Mark Noble in midfield all the time too, which helps. Sorry, Ian, I know how sad you are for me to say that sentence, but tactically, it's a huge upgrade for them that he's not in every game. Uh, but no, Jared Bowen looks really, really good. He's fine his feet. Uh, ben Rahm has been like pfft, nothing, like hasn't done anything, which is weird. Like even though he's got two assists, when I've watched him, he's awful. And I kind of watched Declan Rice for the first time the last few weeks. I like Declan Rice, surprisingly. I didn't think I would, but... I never really had a strong opinion on him uh, because I just never really watched him. Uh, but now I can understand why. I mean, the English thing inflates the price tag and the whatever and stuff. But like watching him play in midfield, I would love to have a central midfielder who is that comfortable on the ball and aware of actually what the fuck is going on around him. Right. Um, and not going to New Year's Eve parties. All right. Are we done? Is that all the W teams fucking done One with this more. stupid list? One more W team. Uh. No more W teams. No, I refuse. No. Right, Wolves. Wolves no. is the last one. Wolverhampton Wanderers at Britain. 112 got in touch and said, 
From game week 13 to 17, we have played well. However, Wolves are too reliant on young slash inexperienced players. From last season, we have adapted better to start the game faster. However, we now drop off after a one-goal lead and sit back inviting pressure, which results in us conceding stupid goals like against Burnley, Man United and Brighton in particular. Uh, Adama Traore got back to his best in the last couple of fixtures and was immense against Brighton. However, we need a striker in the transfer window that Adama can cross the ball into and get more goals. Recently, again, we are not scoring enough goals, but our defence seems to be doing okay. Our over-reliance on the young, though, is beginning to take its toll as they're not strong enough to run a squad. Seven out of nine subs being teenagers, starting three slash four other teenagers is bad. And he thinks they need big investment. I mean, they just sold Jota and Jimenez obviously got that massive, uh, like quite bad skull injury that he's recovered from and everything. But, you know, I can't, I don't even know when he's going to be back. Must be quite a while. But you you saw, it was like flicking a light switch. The productivity of that team changed. The question is really like, who, if anyone, are they going to be able to find in January in the window? Because it's going to be such a weird window. First of all, the the Brexit complications, like we joke, but like that is going to make things harder Shit, for clubs. Yeah, they can't they can't just buy all the Portugal players anymore, right? I presume not. No. And especially if they're not internationals, like that's we. I don't know if I said this on air or before we started recording. I, I don't remember fucking five minutes ago, let alone an hour ago. But life, the Brexit implications on transfers are going to affect your Wolves and your Evertons much more so than your Chelseas and your Man Cities. Because if a player is an international, they'll be fine. Mm. But that like second level of Portuguese player who aren't displacing Cristiano Ronaldo from the lineup, but are still very fucking good, aka what Wolves are, how Wolves' entire transfer strategy for the last few years, those guys are not going to be able to get signed anymore. And so, like, who even are they going to go after for a striker? Mm. No one's selling right now either because no one has any money. So they're like, well, the, the only thing on on transfers um, <clears throat> that I've kind of seen is uh, the French teams were due to get a big uh, media deal this year. I think it was worth something like three billion across the league. Um, And obviously that league is very uh, financially dominated by PSG anyway. That's not news to anyone. Um, But because of all the COVID situation and everything, like that's pretty much collapsed and it's gone down to at most 50% of that is what they're getting. So financially, what they plan for is and what. So there is a case being made that a lot of French teams will have to be selling their players um, to be productive, uh, to, to be able to keep themselves going at the minute because they similarly don't have, uh, well, they don't have the TV deals in the first place. They're not getting match day revenues. I think they've had government bailouts and support question mark possibly um yeah i think that's kind of gearing looking at looking at the landscape at the minute that's where people are going to be cherry picking from as much as possible but like you said no one no one knows what the the rules are and what's been set up it's a points-based system you have to earn something else and turn around three times and uh, your dad's (laughs) mum had to be left-handed or some shit i don't know (laughs) Like it's madness, but yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. The implications uh, we're only just beginning to learn about that, even day to day life. Never mind like in football. But yeah, well, don't bring it down on Brexit though. Uh, Wolves haven't looked as quite as good though. Um, but finished the tinsel window eleventh, twelfth um, for expected. So fair enough there. Sixth for goals scored and do 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 fourteenth for goals conceded. So like. Pretty much balanced and mid-table. Not quite the Wolves we've been used to seeing, 
baby as being as dominant, etc., uh, as they are in 13th overall in the league. But you know what? I'm sure at the minute with the amount of injuries they've had, the fact that that's where they're sitting with all these problems uh, within the squad, as we heard from before, like I think they'd probably take that, all things considered. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough uh, soccer. Why don't we... Uh... Yeah, but let's thank our contributors there because there were some really good write-ups there. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's really Thanks, guys. good to listen to a fan's perspective on some of them teams. Yeah, shout out Adam P, Lewis Lee, another Adam, FPL Vinny, Andy Penpraise, Mark Howes, uh, Safira Gold, Bruce, Bruce, Sam Danby, <laughs> Van Dam Samby, uh, Zane, Andy Case, Stu Lord, Harry Johnson, Dan Tiller, Jeff the Pedder, Lockie Benton, John OG, and Britain 112 and uh, of course Nate Whittam uh, producer and girlfriend Haver <laughs> always thank him always but um, also we should uh, we should do a quick Patreon plug as well because a few of them people uh, uh, we tapped up on the slack for their opinions so if uh, you want to go to patreon.com slash pod, then you can get involved for as little as two dollars you can get on the slack and uh, abuse us personally which is always fun yeah I do it all the time yeah, you do. I wish you'd stop. Um, do do you want to do a round of the bluffer? Oh, yes, please. I think so. Um, yeah. The scores so are enough even. Football and talking. Yeah, yeah, I've done enough about football. The scores are even. It's 3-3-3, three, 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 but I owe you a couple of bluffers uh, to make sure it's all, all equal. You do uh, Oscar seems to be pulling out a paper and pen. Sorry, I got confused. I was like, oh, I don't have to get my categories out because last week we all had bluffer No, no, it's just me. I've got, I've got, I've got the categories. I'm putting the strap on it. Jesus. And my notebook's going away over here. So relax. I'm not going to write anything. I'm not Ian. <laughs> okay. Ian, Ian's got to do two on the bounce. Uh, if there are any new listeners out there, uh, the bluffer is a game where Ian will have a category or whoever is hosting, sorry, will have a category with a certain amount of answers and the other two bid to see how many of those they can name. If they get called, they've got to name them. Get one wrong, out. See you later. Bye. That was a great explanation. Thanks. Very succinct. Right. Okay. So, let's go. Uh, I'm going to have a Chuck bid first. Yeah. And the category is, thanks to Mark Daffin as well, one of our Patreons for providing these categories. So much listener hashtag content. It really is. Really is. These are... The actors who have starred in two or more films that Quentin Tarantino has directed. Ooh. Two or more. So, looking at this, there are 33. Wow. He he does tend to latch on to people, doesn't he? Sure. Mm. Five. Seven. Nine. <laughs> Ten. Eleven. Oh, yeah, go on. Have it. 11. 11's fine. I don't think I could name 12 and I'm worried you'll call me, so. Okay. Right, Chuck, 11 actors who have acted in two or more films directed by Quentin Tarantino. Okay, Brad Pitt. Thank you. Leonardo DiCaprio. Samuel L. Jackson. Uma Thurman. Uh, shit. What's her name? Um, Just the six more, Chuck. You're very close. Just six. Yeah, I know. I know he, right. bid, he bid 11. He's got to get seven more. Yeah. Um, I can't do math, Ian, okay? 
You could have let him have it at six. Chuck's like, God damn it. I can't remember her name. Daryl Hannah. Um, Tim Roth. Ooh, very nice. What's his bloody name? Michael Madsen. Very nice. He was You're in up two? to seven. What are his two? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Oh, he's in Kill Bill. Okay. And The Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. He's in like I haven't seen the last one. That's the only thing. I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's good. Um, uh, I'm into punt territory now, so I'm just going to say actors that I know have been. Um, well, I'm going to say Quentin Tarantino himself. Okay. How many have I said? Eight. Three more. Fuck. I know at least okay. one that you're missing. But that's it. Just one. <laughs> it's just... I mean, uh, I'll say... Yeah, because he's in both films. David Carradine. Oh, are you counting Kill Bill as two movies? Yeah. Yes, I am counting Kill Bill as two movies. Oh, so yeah. just name anybody who was in both Kill Bill movies and you're fine. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm trying to remember who died in the first one and who wasn't in the first one. There's not as many as you might think that are in both films. No. Huh. Okay. Um... Two more. Hmm. Harvey Keitel. One more. One more. Oh, oh, uh, Christoph Waltz. Yes. Nice pull at the yes. end there. Well Very done, Chuck. That was good. Ooh, uh, the other ones I was going to say, like Kurt Russell was in at least one. Kurt Russell was in Death Proof. The Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, Death Proof with uh, what's her what's her name? The 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 woman, the woman, the lady, the lady woman. You know, yeah. the lady women. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, lady woman. Anyway, I won't go through them all because there's loads. Uh, I think you've got most of the main players. There's Eli Roth as well, uh, Judy Dreyfus, Steve Buscemi. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Duh. It's like you try it because of how his films are. You try and think of like specific scenes, yeah, and like type scenes. That's the thing. Like Tarantino movies, I think you either like all of them or you don't like any of them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're all basically the same. They're like theater shows in films. Nothing happens. It's like this podcast. Nothing happens. <laughs> they talk a load of shit, then all of a sudden, bang, 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 everyone's dead. Yeah, exactly like this podcast. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. uh, let's move on. Then Chuck gets the point there. Oscar, your first bid. And I'm looking for... There are 32 of them. The top 32 best-selling albums worldwide. They have all got 30 million copies or more sold. Wow. Okay. Would you like to ask any caveat questions now before we start bidding? <laughs> Which website did you pull this off of? Wikipedia, I think. Oh, good. Chuck is like, how do you spell that? W-I-K-I. Uh, I'll say five. Okay, six. Seven. Eight. I don't want to give you every category, but I think you're punting. Like, you're you really have a thing punting. there where you don't, like, you don't like giving up control, do you? I think, I really I think don't. all of them will be logical. I'll go nine. Yeah, you can have it. Damn it. you son of a bitch um let's start with hotel california um let's see thriller obviously please please me no wait no 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 no. uh that's not the name of the album so so i took that back i took that back i didn't say that out loud you Um, finished the answer though you did finish the answer (laughs) 
It was a question mark. It was a question mark. Actually, important question. Are we counting greatest hits here? Because I know that the greatest hits show up on the all-time list a lot. Take a punt, mate. You had your chance for caveats before the bid had begun. Fuck it. Fine. Um, Jesus, this is hard. How many did I say I could do? You said you could do nine and you're on two. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, rumors. Fleetwood Mac, rumors. No, all true. <laughs> That's my favourite joke from Flight of the Concords. <laughs> Brilliant. This is a hard category. It is hard. Uh, there's got to be another Michael Jackson around there, right? Let's go with Bad. Is that the name of the album? I'm going to say Bad. I think that's the name of the album. Yeah. Ooh. Good. Good call. Um, fuck it. Let's stick with Beatles. White Album. <laughs> no. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. White Album. Wow. That probably would have been my first guess. You've got to be wrong on that. I, I demand a recount. I could look up the White Album if you want, but it wasn't in the table. There are two Beatles albums in there. Revolver uh, and Sgt. Peppers? No, Sgt. Peppers and um, Abbey Road. Okay. And there is also their is collection. It, oh, the best of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, the, the best of the Beatles. There is their number ones collection, one. Also, 63 to 67 has got to be up there because that's like one of the top selling compilation albums ever. I know that. Well, no, he said there's three and he just named them. Your list is suspicious. The White Album. I'm Googling this shit. Top selling albums of all time. I named my source. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're all wrong. Should have read the small print in your cone track. <laughs> Do you want to try naming any others, or should we just go through? Yeah, uh, the Bodyguard, Whitney Houston. Yes. That's, that's good, Paul. I'm going to say uh, Black Album, Metallica. Yes. ACDC Back in Black is probably, right? Because that's like the number one selling album of Australia music. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Back Which in I Black know for is right up there. <laughs> I'll go through the rest of them. There's Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell. Oh, yeah. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, Eagles Greatest Hits 7175 Fuck Fuck uh, BGs and various artists Saturday Night Fever uh, Shania Twain Come on over <laughs> That don't impress me much Oh is there Garth Brooks in there? He's like the number one American Garth for Brooks a long time. Yeah probably Like Kenny Rogers No The uh, The Grease soundtrack is there uh, Led Zeppelin 4 uh, Lannis Morissette Jagged Little Pill Yeah Makes sense uh, Michael Jackson Dangerous Celine Dion, Falling Into You, The Dirty Dancing Soundtrack, Adele, 21, Madonna, The Immaculate Collection, another Celine Dion, Let's Talk About Love, uh, ABBA, Gold, Greatest Hits, Bruce Springsteen, <sighs> Born in the USA, Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, good album. The Titanic uh, Music, Not Good, Nirvana, Nevermind, Pink Floyd, The Wall, Santana, uh, Supernatural, and Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. So that means Strack wins! Everything's gone to shit lately with these games. I don't like this. I quit. I don't want to play anymore. I'm taking my ball home. Well, uh, that about wraps us up then for this episode. We're not going to do fixtures because we're probably going to record question mark by the time the next one starts and it's going to be in the middle and who knows. And we'll probably just record an episode about conspiracy theories or maybe football or we'll be on lockdown or the football will be cancelled and everyone will have lost their free hits and all the FPL virgins will be crying. Oh, I don't like it. Tug it on my testicles. Um, we love the FPL community on this podcast and we welcome you all with open arms. Sure. That's not what you say. Um... <laughs> So thank you once again. I'm not going to name you all for, for all the contributors and getting in touch. Uh, it really means a lot that you get involved. Um, yeah, that wraps us up for this week. So thank you very much, Ian. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. 
Thank you, Chuck. That was excellent putting all that together. I appreciate it. Yeah, well done. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll happily take the credit for outsourced admin. Um, once again, thanks to producer Nate Whitham. He's got a girlfriend. Uh, we love him very much. And uh, look after yourselves out there, ladies and gents. Be safe, wear a mask, wash your hands. Bye-bye for now. Bye.